The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. And hello again, wrestling fans. Welcome to another edition of This Week in History. As you heard, brought to you by CoolBet. Wanting to remind you to stay cool and bet responsibly. We are part of the Johnners Podcasting Network. We are the Ontario Podcasting Network here in Canada. And we are on YouTube and Facebook. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get podcasts from. You can reach us at scumbagswrestling.ca, over on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, easiest to get us at Facebook. This, as I said, is This Week in History. I apologize for us not being with you on our normal Thursday. Uh, a couple things at home and family comes first uh, with that. But we are here on a Saturday uh, night looking back at the week of January 28th through February 3rd. I hope you enjoyed our special that we had earlier this week with our look back at the first uh, 12 Royal Rumbles uh, covering all the 80s and all of the 90s. Uh, that's available wherever you get your podcasts from, and you can relook or listen to that at any time. Uh, that's one of our favorite events of the year and wanted to give it special attention. But we are going to uh, look at this uh, episode, and I already have next week's uh, ready, so it should be uh, good to go for Thursday when Jonesy and I can record it. But we cannot do that then or even now until we bring in Jonesy from Niagara Falls. Good evening. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. The snow, the snow finally stopped, and uh, yay. Yeah, Ontario's been hit with uh, a lot of snow. I saw on the maps uh, a lot of uh, the Golden Horseshoe and GTA was getting actually even worse than uh, what we did in London, and I'm down in Windsor right now recording this, and uh, the roads weren't too bad going from London to Windsor, at least. But I did hear about the 401 and 402 being shut down earlier in the week. We have the lovely uh, trucker strikes going on, trying to get mandates for COVID solved. It's best to just stay in the house, and that's why we're here providing entertainment. Yeah, truckers. Um, but things are open, uh, like restaurants and gyms and uh, stuff. So if you yeah, do go out, ca you, the casinos are back open, and uh, you got a place to go: casinos, gyms, movie theaters. Get yeah, out and support local. Unless uh, a nasty uh, variant comes along, we're going to be fine, at least until next fall. So, <laughs> Probably. But aside from the real world of uh, our yeah, lives and the lives the of, world. of Ontarians and that, let's uh, dive into the, the lovely world of wrestling. And we'll start off with our headlines. All right. Uh, there we go. Uh, January 28, 2002, 20 years ago on Raw, Vince McMahon release, uh, releasing cancer on the WWF because Flair wouldn't sell his half on the company back to him. He would bring in the New World Order at the next pay-per-view, No Way Out. Interesting that that uh, pay-per-view, which existed before uh, the NWO came, but No Way Out was N-W-O. It was. Uh, January 31st, 
year 2000, 22 years ago, on Raw's War, former WCW wrestler Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn, and Dean Malenko all made their WWF debuts. Uh, they interfered during a tag team match between the New Age Outlaws and Head Cheese, Al Snow and Steve Blackman. Jim Ross dubbed the foursome as Radicals. And, of course, um, Eddie Guerrero uh, got up on the... Uh, turnbuckle and uh, didn't have uh, the greatest frog splash yeah i was going to mention that uh, that on his night number one he gets injured though uh was a huge uh, thing for uh them to jump from wcw we talked about that uh, i believe on one of our last episodes how things went down with the title being taken off benoit and uh instead of allowing benoit to just drop it and do the honors they said nope go away and poof, they all showed up and they were all out of their contract. This is probably one of the reasons why WD puts in those 90-day or 30-day, depending on which level you're at, no-compete clauses. So you're not going from Raw one day and showing up two days later on AEW Dynamite. All right, These guys literally left Nitro and the week later, they were showing up on Raw and... They carried that momentum with them, and do you ever you don't see do that? that on, uh, do you ever see that on soap operas, where a popular, you know, character or whatever leaves one soap opera, and they're literally on the next one the next day? I'm just. I have heard and seen that. I do also know because yes, I do follow uh, some uh, shows like that. There is one gentleman who works two different shows on two different networks. How that's possible? lucky for him but it doesn't happen in the world of wde at least you can have that happen on uh with everybody else because we did see that where kenny omega was on dynamite and then showing up on impact but you know yeah you have to kind of keep your and protect your property and your talent that you need to use and not let somebody else cause injury to them and ruin your storylines in some other company so i get that Yes, because you wouldn't want, uh, you know, Head Cheese, Al Snow, and Steve Blackman to have gone over to Nitro the next night. That would have been disastrous. Oh, yeah. Uh, January 31st, 2000, The Rock defeated Kurt Angle. Uh, this was Angle's first pinfall loss in the WWF. Also on the 31st, 2010, at the Royal Rumble, Christian defeated Ezekiel Jackson to retain the ECW Championship. This would be the last time the ECW Championship is defended on pay-per-view. Very nice. And Rest some birthdays. ECW. Yes. Some birthdays. Uh, January 28th, we have Shark Boy, who turns 47, and Seamus, Seamus who turns 44. January 29th is Bob Hardcore, or what was, um, oh man, what was his other damn nickname? Thurman Sparky Plug. It. it wouldn't come to me. Thurman Sparky Plug. Uh, yeah, at least the hardcore gimmick was better for him. Uh, January 30th, Giant Gonzalez would have turned 56. Also, Becky Lynch turns 35, and Dave uh, Drake Maverick, Rockstar Spud, also shares the same day as Giant Gonzalez and Becky Lynch. He turns 39. January 31st, Dave Finley turns a ripe 64 years old. And superstar spotlight, Becky Lynch. So I'll let you uh, start off with uh, profiling Becky, and I'll pick up after. All right. 
So Rebecca Quinn, uh, born uh, the 30th of January, 1987, is an Irish professional wrestler and actress. She is signed to the WWE uh, under the name Becky Lynch, where she performs on the Raw brand. And is the current Raw's women's champion in her second reign. Lynch is one of WWE's most recognizable and highest paid wrestlers. Uh, Twitter named her sixth on their top list of top female athletes worldwide in 2019. And we, of course, thank Wikipedia for that. Quinn began training as a professional wrestler uh, back in 2002. Uh, first, she was working in Ireland and occasionally teamed up with her brother using the uh, ring name Rebecca Knox. Uh, she soon began wrestling across Europe and North America on the indie circuit uh, for many different promotions. She most notably competed in uh, ECCW, that's Elite Canadian Championship Wrestling, and became the inaugural Supergirls champion back in 2005. In 2006, uh, saw Quinn suffer a, um, a severe head injury during a match, uh, which would keep her away from wrestling for many years. She returned in 2012 and signed a contract with WWE in 2013, and she is assigned to the she was assigned to the developmental territory at NXT. Following her push to the main roster, uh, she became the inaugural SmackDown Women's Champion at Backlash 2016 and has held the title four times. Uh, um, a little closer to now, 2018 Lynch transitioned to a more aggressive character, and that was at Summer's name when she attacked Charlotte Flair, presenting herself as an unfairly treated underdog and dubbed herself the man, resulting in a large increase in her popularity. Uh, in 2019, she won a Royal Rumble match, and at WrestleMania 35, she won both the Raw's uh, championship and SmackDown's championship, making her the first woman to hold both titles simultaneously and a four-time WWE Women's Champ. She would lose the SmackDown title the following month, uh, but then sent the, uh, set a record for the longest reign as the Raw champ at 373 days until going on a hiatus due to pregnancy in May 2020. See what happens? Ah, damn babies. In mm -hmm. August 2021, Lynch returned at SummerSlam to confront SmackDown Women's Champ uh, Bianca Bel Belair. Belair, is it Belair? Belair. Belair. You tell I don't watch the current product except on pay-per-view. Uh, whom she would uh, defeat seconds later to become a four-time SmackDown Women's Champ. Lynch would then uh, trade the SmackDown Women's Championship for the Raw Women's uh, Belt, held by Charlotte Flair, to become a two-time Raw Women's Champion. And six-time Women's Champ, Lynch is also the only woman to defend both the Raw and SmackDown Women's titles at a Saudi Arabia show. So that yeah. actually, so that actually happened. What was that? That like they actually traded belts. Yeah, they actually stood in the center of the ring, and this actually became looking like a little bit of a shoot, and there was some heat on both of them, and a lot on Charlotte Flair not wanting to do that, which I can understand because you should be losing a title, not just trading because your belt is blue and you're working on the red side. I mean, I kind of like I kind of like the idea, but maybe one of them wanted to trade and one of them didn't, and then they had a match or something. Then I can see that because that's a kind of cool match. You're not you're losing a title, but you're gaining a title. Yeah, so and I, yeah, I kind of I like this uh, the swap thing, almost like 
Why don't they do a, a intercontinental? Well, we're getting off topic, but I don't care. Why don't they do a intercontinental uh, um, champ against a world champ? And if the IC champ wins, he gets the world belt. And the guy that had the world belt gets the IC belt. That'd be interesting. Uh, but, you know, I'd, I'd end up being double champ like Warrior did uh, type deal. And we saw, I think, Seth Rollins do uh, world and U.S. champ one time. But, yeah. Well, you, can't, um, you can't win both belts. You would just actually switch it. Mm-hmm. I get that. Uh, looking just to break down some of what you uh, just read to us. Uh, she signed uh, her developmental deal in April 2013. Uh, moved to Florida to uh, report to NXT. And on August 29th, her new ring name was uh, given to her for Becky Lynch. Uh, she made her t- uh, TV debut on the 26th of June 2014 uh, episode of NXT, defeating Summer Rae. And the next week, uh, Lynch uh, teamed with Bailey in a losing effort against the BFS, which were beautiful, fierce females, NXT Women's Champion Charlotte and Sasha Banks. So right there, you had the four horsewomen uh, going against each other at that time. These four created a huge bond and became the four horsewomen of uh, WWE. Lynch made her official uh, main roster debut July 13th in an episode of Raw as a fan favorite alongside Charlotte and Sasha. And after Stephanie McMahon uh, called for a revolution for the Divas division, Lynch and Charlotte uh, began allying with uh, Paige, who was uh, feuding with uh, Team Bella, which was Alicia Fox and Bella Twins, and Banks got aligned with Naomi and Tamina, leading to a brawl between all three teams. The trio of Paige, Lynch, and Charlotte originally was dubbed Submission Sorority, and that had to be changed to their uh, team PCB, which was their initials, because it was found out the original name was a name of an adult web page. On September 11th, 2016, uh, Backlash, uh, Lynch won the six-pack elimination challenge, last eliminating Carmella to become the inaugural SmackDown Women's Champion. At WrestleMania 35, it was the first time women were main eventing at pay-per-view, especially WrestleMania, first time for that, in a three-way with Charlotte and Ronda Rousey, and she became two belts Becky, winning both the Raw and SmackDown championships from her competitors. Uh, It kind of was a botched uh, ending where Ronda's uh, shoulders weren't fully down and wouldn't be surprising, especially right now with them using the history of Roman and Seth Rollins with Ronda gone right after that and only coming back now, they should use that footage and have Ronda go after Becky, but it looks like uh, Ronda's going after Charlotte first. And so uh, we'll have to see if Ronda and Becky ever collide and that history gets brought up. But uh, that happened. Uh, She held the title for a long while until, unfortunately, well, fortunately for her, but unfortunately for uh, everybody else, she got uh, pregnant. And instead of when Asuka won the Money in the Bank ladder match, getting a contract, she was presented the case and opened it up and found the belt already in there. And we did not see Becky for a while. She announced that that episode of Raw at the uh, Performance Center that she was pregnant. And she returned at SummerSlam, defeating Bianca in about 42 seconds to become the SmackDown Championship 
and we saw just talked about the trading of the belts and she's uh, just defeated Dewdrop uh, last week at Royal Rumble and it's looking to go to WrestleMania as the champion still claiming to be undefeated since winning that belt at WrestleMania 35. So we'll see who can step up and take it from her. I like Dewdrop. Reminds me of a kind of a blast from, you know, the 80s. Horrible name. Piper Niven deserves better, but yeah. She's very talented. Well, I'd like to know what, like, um, uh, his name escaped me now. Harvey Wimpleman. If he's still working for them, why isn't he her manager? You'd think, you know. Oh, to redo the birth of Faye thing? Kind of. Like, they could say that that's birth of Faye's, you know, grandchild or something. And, of course, you know, Wimpleman had a thing for Bertha, so why not her granddaughter? Or just uh, be her daughter and Harvey be their, her father. Yes. Oh, hey, there you go. That's that's less creepy, too. Um, yeah. Moving so, on to big events. Some of the big events, uh, January 28th, 1991, 31 years ago, WWF taped the final edition of the main event, the announcement of Hogan facing Sergeant Slaughter at WrestleMania 7 for the WWF Championship belt. On the same taping, three episodes of WWF Superstars of Wrestling uh, were taped during this session. Uh, Paul Bear made his TV debut as The Undertaker's new manager. Hulk Hogan and Tugboat defeated Dino Bravo in Earthquake. Jim Duggan defeated Surgeon Slaughter by DQ in a WWF Championship match. In the Legion of Doom, Animal and Hawk defeated Dorian Express, Kato, and Tanaka. And I actually have a little memory of that, of that because I seen Paul Bear on TV debut as The Undertaker's new manager. And then it was, I think, the next day went to the London Gardens in... Uh, course london ontario and went and seen wwf and who was there paul bearer so that was uh seeing him uh for the first time which was kind of cool yeah uh, uh, undertaker and bruce uh, were really good friends but with all the other responsibilities bruce had uh with creative and doing that he just didn't have enough time to also be on the road with undertaker and uh, if you go back and listen to some uh something to wrestle with uh they actually do a tribute to uh, William Moody, Paul Bear, and uh, talk about how he got called up and they found out that he was a former mortician and it worked out perfectly with what they wanted to offer him. And then he was there and they were trying to figure out what name to give him. And uh, I believe it was Road Warrior Hawk who came up with the name Paul Bear, uh, being a pun as it is for... Uh, what the actual uh, role is in a regular funeral and uh, they went with it and it was just yeah awesome magic uh, thing you saw uh, even on the screen here uh, Bruce as Brother Love introducing Paul Bear on the Brother Love show and just, just turning over the reins to Undertaker's career and we love what happened after that uh, being a big connection with the family, uh, being bringing in Undertaker's brother and one of the greatest stories ever done in WWE. Yeah, oh, it, was like, yes. it was like a movie. One uh, you could put that all together and be great, greatly scripted. 
of us when WD was really good at telling stories and long term. Well, that's something that they could do is actually produce Undertaker, his, you know, do the character, the Paul Bear and all that. When the house burns down, that would be fantastic. Yeah, do a whole Undertaker uh, history movie. Yeah, you, you just you don't put in the wrestling until yeah. later on. You tell the story first and then when he becomes a wrestler, if, you know, it becomes popular. Of course, I'm not a producer. Anywho, uh, January 28, 2007, 15 years ago, WWE presented Royal Rumble 2007. Uh, on the 29th, uh, 16 years ago, they presented the Royal Rumble 2006. And also on the 29th, uh, they produced a Royal Rumble 10 years ago, which is 2012. January 31st, 1991, uh, 31 years ago, WCW presented Clash of the Champions 14, Dixie Dynamite. It was the first... That, uh, I was going to say, that will not ever happen again with that the Confederate flag. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't personally have a problem with the Confederate flag because, again, it depends how they use it. When you're using it at a wrestling show, whatever. It's a character. Anyways. Exactly. But, uh, I mean, I understand some people, you know, they don't like the flag. Yes. Anywho, Dixie Dynamite, it was the first Clash of the Champions ever produced solely by WCW. Now, actually, uh, is that on the uh, network and... Do they keep that image in there? I'm just wondering. Yeah, I'll have to go back and check that out because Peacock did sanitize some uh, things, and this would definitely uh, probably fall under those things that Peacock would be uh, sanitizing. And I wonder when they show any of the Godwin uh, um, uh, matches, if they blur out uh, the um, bandana that uh, they had. <laughs> and the same thing with uh, the Freebirds. Oh, yeah, it's because sometimes PS, Michael P.S. Hayes had the whole Confederate flag as a cape. Yeah, again, it depends how it's used. Dusty Rhodes made his return to WCW after spending the last two years in WWF. Uh, January 31st also saw um, WWF tape SmackDown Extreme. Airing two days later, the show featured a unique cross-promotion uh, for that weekend's debut of the XFL Every featured match on the show had a stipulation. Uh, 2005, 17 years ago, WWE presented Royal Rumble. Uh, 2005, Batista and John Cena eliminated, uh, eliminated themselves at the same time. Of course, Vince McMahon stormed down to the ring and tore both his quads entering the ring, and it was amusing. Batista would win the Royal Rumble again in 2014 from the number 28 slot. He is the only man to win multiple Rumbles uh, drawing the same number. Bullshit winning that in 2014. Should have been Daniel Bryan. Anyways. Yeah, should have been. On January 31st, 11 years ago, uh, WWE presented Royal Rumble 2011. This was the first and so far only 40-man Rumble. It was won by Alberto Del Rio. Uh, also on the 31st, eight years ago, Team A taped the 500th episode of Impact. And in 1998, 24 years ago, uh, WCW presented the audio uh, pay-per-listen uh, event in Bo uh, the Boston Brawl. 
and uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, that's how popular wrestling was back then. They actually had it on the radio. And uh, WWF, I believe, did some of that too, did they not? Yeah, the, in the early 90s uh, when Jim Ross had first got there. So I'm thinking about 94, 95-ish. Uh, they were doing uh, basically a mixture of podcasts meets uh, baseball on the radio mm. uh, versions of wrestling. Uh, at that time with Radio WWF, and then uh, WCW tried it a few times. Unfortunately, neither time did they did either company get much success. I don't know how it would uh, unfold in today's market where podcasts are so uh, rampant and popular compared to uh, the 90s. I think it depends how it's done. I think if they see on radio, that's more where they could talk about other things and build up and that instead of calling the full match. Where when it's live on TV, shut up about what's going to happen later on. I don't fucking care. Tell me what's going on in the match. Build the match. Build those people up. Anyways, that's me. Yeah, I um, think it, it has to happen on both uh, TV and uh, during the uh, matches because and even so uh, more so if you're doing audio wise you need somebody who's going to call the moves and not somebody like Excalibur uh, mind you but you have somebody like your Jim Ross or Gordon Soley those type of guys who know the moves and can talk as though they're t uh, presenting sports instead of sports entertainment and put in the filler when needed as the color but you need somebody doing proper play-by-play. -play. Yes. Man, WCW is really bad talking over the good parts of the match. Anyways, we got the main event of that event. Um, uh, featured a steel cage match that heard Sting defeat Hollywood Hogan. Kind of, man, that's <laughs> a steel cage match. I mean, you'd be able to hear the uh, cage rattle, but really that's, wow. Very weak. Uh, January 31st, uh, 1998, 24 years ago, uh, ECW presented Hostile City Showdown 98. Uh, on the 31st, also uh, 2010, 12 years ago, WWF presented Royal Rumble 2010. The show had the unadvertised return of Edge, who was out five months after a sh shoulder surgery or injury. Yeah. Moving on to February 2nd, all good old Groundhog's Day, uh, 36 years ago, NWA pr uh, presented Superstars of the Superstation from the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. Appearing on the show in cameo appearances were singer Willie Nelson and former Major League Baseball pitcher uh, Gaylord Perry. And Ric Flair did not see a shadow on that day, so that's what we know about that. Sometimes... Yeah. <laughs> I think they need to worry about that later on in uh, WCW's career uh, because if they, uh, whoever it was, saw their shadow, uh, obviously meant six more months of crappy writing. Yay. Now on the title changes, starting with January 29th. Uh, 26 years ago, at a WCW main event, Conan defeated one man gang to win the WCW United States Championship. 2002, 20 years ago, at a SmackDown taping, DDP defeated Christian to win the WWF European Championship. 
2006, uh, Gregory Helms defeated Kid Cash, Franaki, Jamie Noble, Nunzio, and Paul London in a Cruiserweight Invitational match to win the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah, this is when he uh, dropped the uh, Hurricane gimmick for a little while. Why? It was not successful. He was better as the Hurricane. He absolutely was. Uh, 2007, 15 years ago, John Zena and Shawn Michaels defeated Rated K RKO, Randy Orton and Edge, to win the World Tag Team Championship. Moving on to January 31st, 1904, 118 years ago in London, England, George Hackenschmidt uh, defeated Ahmed Madrali to become the recognized undisputed World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, 2011, Eve Torres defeated Natalia, Layla, and Michelle McCool in a fatal four-way match to win the WWE Divas belt. 2000, 2000 saw Hervinia. Hervinia? Hervinia? Hervina. Hervina. Hervina, a Harvey Wimpleman in drag, defeated the Cat in a large-scale match to win the WWF Women's Championship. He's the only male wrestler ever to win the title. 2010, Mickey James defeated Michelle McCool in just 20 seconds to win the WWE Women's Belt. 2017, six years ago, at an impact taping in Birmingham, England, Beer Money, James Storm, and Bobby Roode defeated the Wolves, Eddie Edwards, and Davey Richards to win the TNA World Tag Belts. February 2nd, 1986, the Midnight Express, Bobby Eaton and Dennis uh, Condry defeated the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson uh, to win the NWA World Tag Team Championship. And for some reason, that thumbnail is missing. No, oh, no. Yeah. And you have February to look at this. 3rd, 1996, 26 years ago in Queens, New York, the Eliminators defeated Cactus Jack and Mikey Wetbreck to win the ECW World Tag Belts. In 2003, 18 years ago, at a SmackDown taping, Rikishi and Scotty Tuhati defeated the Basham Brothers to win the WWE Tag Team Championship. Some good title changes uh, going on there. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how many of these uh, titles actually last a long time because it was in the era of hot potato. Compared to, uh, I don't notice it as much now. But even though they have so many belts, the titles don't seem to change as quickly. Of course, you have somebody like uh, Shinsuke Nakamura who hasn't defended his title in a long time because of an injury. And they didn't bother to strip him of it. And what does he hold? The IC belt? IC title. Which he'll yeah, probably drop. We don't, we, don't, we don't need to put that one out there. <sighs> See, with those things, I don't know why they just don't strip the guy. But as soon as he comes back, he gets a shot at the next major pay-per-view. That's it. Yeah, well. And it, and it should be a no DQ match. That way, there's it has to be a decision. Sami Zayn is in line for the title, and I believe it's going to get this shot in about two weeks. Oh, nice. All right, the headlines. February 1st, 1993, on Monday Night Raw, Lex Luger makes his WWF in-ring debut with a win over Jason Knight. 
1993, uh, and then be the same show, Brutus the Barber Beefcake uh, returned nearly a year after his barber shop was destroyed by unhappy customer Sid Vicious. This would be the beginning of the returning Hulkster in the upcoming weeks. Yep, because he would end up getting uh, beat up by Money, Inc., have the briefcase uh, taken to his uh, melon, and Jimmy Hart would come to the rescue and turn face and also bring Hogan. Never thought I'd see Jimmy Hart as a face. I nope. Never. Never. Uh, February 2nd, 2010, 12 years ago in Memphis, Tennessee, Vince McMahon makes a surprise appearance on ECW on Sci-Fi to announce the end of ECW on Sci-Fi. The replacement would turn out to be the original NXT show, which lasted nine months on Sci-Fi. Yeah, the good old competition version of uh, NXT. It lasted a little more than nine months. Well, at least the first season might have been nine months because they did at least five, uh, four full seasons, and then number five was really messed up, which almost basically just was the starter to it being its own brand, like, mm. uh, but then off the network and doing its own thing. Yeah. Um, the first season, half decent. The competitions could have been a little bit better. The women's one wasn't too bad. Second one, a little bit lighter on competition. But the first one saw us getting people like uh, Daniel Bryan showing up. We had uh, Ryback. Uh, we, as, uh, what was his name? Uh, I can't remember his uh, hokey name at the time. We saw uh, Heath Slater and, of course, Wade Barrett and uh, the rest of the crew show then. And it could have been so much better with the Nexus had uh, things gone the way it should have. Unfortunately, that was then. Yep. February 3rd, 1973, 49 years ago, All Japan Pro Wrestling joins the National Wrestling Alliance in becoming the official Japanese promotion of the NWA. All Japan got the uh, benefit of bringing in foreigners with a pedigree to defend their NWA championship belts, including Dory Funk Jr. and his brother Terry, Mil Mascaris, uh, Harley Race, and Ric Flair. Years later, uh, with the collapse of the territorial system, however, All Japan left the NWA in 1989 and soon began a massive success surge in the 90s. Uh, also on the 3rd, 1996, Bam Bam Bigelow made, made his ECW debut. Uh, in year 2000, 22 years ago, the WWF and NBC announced a joint, a, venture, a joint venture to form a new football league, the XFL. Yeah, unfortunately, their biggest problem was they decided to come out and say that they were going to be better than the NFL and do all this other stuff instead of being an alternative or a something to look forward to after the NFL was done and keep your football spirit going. They kind of shot themselves in the foot that way. And then they shot themselves in the foot with how they presented the cheerleaders and tried to uh, convince them to uh, flirt and hook up with the players. And they put the cameras into the women's, uh, like the uh, cheerleaders locker room. It got very sports entertainmented uh, instead yes. of football uh, the way it's supposed to be. And 
though I do, I believe, somewhere have on video the very first uh, games of the XFL and the opening ceremony where Vince is on the field. We'll talk about that actually just in a second when it debuted. The Rock is there. You got Craig DeGeorge coming back. Uh, JR, Jesse, and uh, King all doing uh, commentary. They just, I don't know. It it was it was a hot mess. Yeah, it was a good it was a good idea, but it wasn't executed right. And in, for some reason, this reminds me of roller games, where you know what? If you would have just produced it as being more of a real thing than trying to dress it up to make people go, "Oh, this isn't real," then that's why yeah. they lost a lot of their audience. Is because well, you're presenting this like an entertainment venture where back then it wasn't there wasn't a lot of fireworks and all that type of stuff there was some but it wasn't like it is now the xfl was supposed to be real football and it was real football it was all the uh, bells and whistles on the side that uh distracted from its success and uh, i think you're about to read what happened that first uh, show and then we'll yes. I'll pop in some exactly more one year later uh, to the date of the announcement of the formation of the XFL, the XFL played its opening game. NBC's broadcast would mostly focus on the Hitman Outlaw game. It would be the most watched program that night. However, one week later, uh, they uh, would lose over half their audience. Yeah, uh, pretty sad. And I think what we were just talking about with the fact that it was too sports entertainment uh, off the field uh, took away from it. Um, I know people weren't too fond of the scramble to get the uh, ball because uh, I think somebody did get injured on the first attempt at doing so. So that was kind of a ugh, moment. Um, the NFL, though, after the XFL did shut down, took the idea of the uh, uh, overhead camera that Vince had uh, put into the XFL, uh, giving people a different view. And so... I guess if anything positive came from that first incarnation of the XFL was the uh, overhead cam that uh, the NFL uh, took advantage of. And I also did like uh, their overtime, which I think the NFL has done an adoption uh, and a little bit tweaking of that rule where they would start on the 20-yard line and have to score and then the other team would get the ball and an opportunity to score in the same amount of downs or less to win the game. So the NFL's uh, sort of picked up on that. I guess some sort of pauses. Oh, plus Tommy Maddox of the original uh, XFL made it into the NFL because his quarterbacking skills were uh, recognized and appreciated and so he got brought in i think before that he was like a carpenter or plumber hmm. but so yeah, at least so some, uh, good game out a uh, good came out of it and uh hopefully it will uh get to return uh with the rock uh, on helm and who knows maybe something can become of it xfl um, 3.0 yes uh ronda jane rousey is her spotlight um our second spotlight for the day. She was born February 1st, 1987. She's an American professional wrestler, actress, which not really, but a uh, former uh, uh, judoka and mixed martial artist. She is currently signed to WWE, where she performs on the SmackDown brand. 
She is best known for her time in Ultimate Fighting Championship. Uh, her long-standing nickname, Rowdy, was inherited from professional wrestler Rowdy Rowdy Piper. The first American, she was the first American female to earn an Olympic medal in judo, and she won bronze at the 2008 Summer Olympics. In 2011, Rousey became uh, the mixed martial, uh, sorry, began her mixed martial arts career with King of the Cage. She would soon join Strike Force, and that's a different Strike Force than what you're thinking, uh, becoming the last woman's uh, bantamweight. Uh, champion until its acquisition in UFC. Uh, Rousey was part of the company's first ever female fight at UFC 157. Uh, it was their inaugural women's bantamweight champion and holds the record for the most UFC title defenses by a female. Rousey retired from MMA in 2016 and was the first female fighter inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame, and that was 2008. Rousey began her career in pro wrestling in 2018, signing with the WWE. She debuted at WrestleMania 34. Uh, she won the Raw Women's Championship at that year's SummerSlam and headlined WWE's inaugural woman, all-women's all pay-per-view when she successfully defended her title at WWE evolution. Rousey lost the title in the first ever women's WrestleMania main event at WrestleMania 35. Her reign as Raw Women's Champion is the second longest in the title's history at 231 days. Uh, at the Royal Rumble 2020, Rousey returned winning the namesake... Uh, did I mess that up? It didn't sound right. I'll just read it the way it was written. Rousey returned at the Royal Rumble in 2022, winning the namesake match. Okay, it's just the wording of it, namesake match. Who broke that? Blech. Damn you, Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> Rousey is the only Rousey is the only woman to win a championship in both the UFC and WWE as well as the only woman to headline a pay-per-view in both companies. She was voted the best female athlete of all time in 2015 ESPN fan poll, and Fox Sports described her as one of the defining athletes of the 21st century. Rousey has also appeared in films, including The Expandables 3, Furious 7, and Mile 22, and released her autobiography, My Fight, Your Fight, in 2015. Yeah, the Expandables three, <laughs> but she has those as credits. Uh, so yeah, as you said she uh, won the Royal Rumble uh, last week, uh, and she will be uh, going to WrestleMania probably on one of the two nights, probably night number one, uh, challenging. It looks like Charlotte Flair for the title. So the second time being able to main event a WrestleMania. Her WWE trainers were uh, Brian Kendrick, Goldust, Kurt Angle, and Natalia. Her MMA trainer, uh, people would recognize the name Jean LaBelle because mm -hmm. that is uh, the LaBelle lock that Dan O'Brien uses, or should I say Brian Danielson uses. Her MMA record, uh, she only had 14 matches. She was 12 wins, two losses. She had three knockouts nine by uh, and nine submissions with her two losses coming by uh, knockout. Uh, as I said, we, she won the Raw Women's title from Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam 2018 and main evented with Charlotte and Becky Lynch at WrestleMania 35. Uh, 
she's married to Travis Brown and had taken time away from uh, wrestling to have a child. And it took them a while, but they finally did have a uh, little girl, I believe. And it was only a few months ago, uh, like last year, late last year, that she gave birth to uh, her baby. And to be in the shape that she's in and returning last week, amazing, uh, really, because she's only going to get in better shape by the time WrestleMania mm-hmm. comes. Uh, do, 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 and you know what? It's really cool that uh, Roddy Piper's uh, jacket gets to still go to the ring. So that's always, uh, I always like that. Birthdays. Ronda Rousey, of course, was born on the 1st of February. Uh, she is 35. On the 2nd, Teddy Hart uh, is 42. Of course, that's one of the Hart brothers. Uh, also on the 2nd is Brian Cage, who turns 38, and Ilsa Dawn turns 28. As oh yeah, thirty-eight and twenty-eight. So she, he, Ilza, Ilza, Don. Isla Don. Yeah, she works for the uh, NXT UK. That's how you say that, Isla. Yep. Oh okay, jeez. See, I hate. Uh, anyways, she's twenty-eight. Dory Funk Jr. <laughs> Dory Fink. That's awesome. Dory Funk Jr. is eighty-one. Uh, Haku turns sixty-three. Marge Janetti is 62, and Carrie Von Eric would have turned 62. All right. Yeah, surprising Marty Janetti's still going, considering all the stupid shit he does. But talented guy, just, yeah. And the road got to him, man. The road got to him. Yeah, and unfortunately is now a cliche in wrestling, considering nobody wants to be the Marty of any tag team. And, and, and hey, maybe maybe we should start some kind of fundraiser thing for Marty Gennetti to uh, get DDP to take him in. You know. Yeah, he might need uh, a little bit of care that way, considering some of the crazy and stupid things he posts, and apparently got multiple girlfriends. I'm wondering if uh, women at a certain age are uh, legal or illegal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm claiming last year that he killed somebody when he was a kid. The man needs some help. Yes. The only thing he killed is being a tag team partner. Oh. Big event breakdown. The main event number two, which was on February 3rd, 1989. It took place uh, and aired live on February uh, Friday. February 3rd, 1989, at 8 p.m. from the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, uh, Yes, so the slowly building tension between Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man Randy Savage finally boiled over during the team's main match event against the Twin Towers, which led to the team's breakup upon Savage's heel turn when Savage contended that Hogan was lusting after his manager, Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, the uh, main event uh, was this was the second year for that. We're going to talk about the first year for it on our next episode because uh, both of them were explosive uh, events that led towards the main event of uh, the uh, WrestleMania. In this case, this was leading up to WrestleMania uh, five, and the other one was WrestleMania four. But it was a one hour primetime special on NBC on a Friday night, eight o'clock. And all they had were two matches on it because they had the big story and then something else was needed. 
And the case of the something else in this case was uh, Ted DiBiase feeding Hercules. Um, and that was shown on TV. I think uh, the following year there was two matches uh, shown on that one uh, with the other filler being the uh, lead up to the main event. Once again, we'll talk about that next week. But this one was huge because uh, for months we'd seen uh, Randy giving the eye to Hogan and Hogan putting his hand accidentally in places uh, on Elizabeth and hugging her that looked a little questionable. And then weeks earlier, we've seen uh, Hogan accidentally uh, dump Savage to the uh, floor during the Royal Rumble. And Savage got in there and got in Hogan's face at that point. Uh, as we know, Savage was a champion. Hogan uh, was not. Elizabeth had to separate them. And then during the Twin Towers and Mega Powers match, which was obviously now the blow-off, uh, their feud that they had for a while, uh, since Survivor Series, when the two teams captained uh, their teams against uh, each other. Savage got thrown out of the ring, took out Elizabeth. Hogan gets to Elizabeth. Savage keeps on going and being beat up by the uh, towers. And nobody comes to rescue uh, Elizabeth because Hogan's bawling his eyes out and asking for help and Savage can't make the help or anything like that. And no EMTs come. So he picks her up, takes her to the back, and then finally returns after Savage has been beaten up for the next uh, commercial break and more. Uh, Elizabeth comes to and tells him to, uh, Hogan to go rescue Savage. He goes back out there, gets the tag and a slap in the face, and Savage walks out. But Hogan still picks up the victory over the towers, then goes to find out what's going on with Randy. Of course, Randy then attacks Hogan with the title, and Elizabeth's pleading, no, no, and hey, Randy snaps. Um, and Beefcake and others, and that's how the show ends. But yeah. then there's the fun bloopers. You were going to say something? Oh, bloopers. I didn't know. There's bloopers out there? Oh, there's two bloopers because of it being live, but you were going to say something? Uh, oh, that that of course, Beefcake uh, got his um, uh, um, uh, camera time in there. Yeah, because um, he came to the rescue, and I think uh, uh, Hebner and a couple others, probably Rene Goulet and all them, got rid of Savage. But I mentioned bloopers. During the uh, match before, uh, yeah, before Elizabeth got taken down, they, the towers had Savage down. They both yes, bounced yes. off the rope, and they were going to double splash Savage. And oops, Akeem fell through the ropes. Bossman kept on going and did the splash. But there was one blooper. Plus, uh, the other one came at the back when they came back from commercial, and they were getting ready for the uh, confrontation between Hogan and uh, Savage with Elizabeth and all that. And Dick Embersall uh, was the one directing the whole thing. He was also a very good friend and partner with Vince McMahon and partnered with the whole XFL uh, idea as well later on in years. But he was directing uh, the main event. And they you can catch, and I'm not sure if it's still there on uh, the network. They probably edited it out. But there's a part where Hogan was asking, now? And it was like, and action! And then they got into it. So there was that little moment of, 
we're on pause and we're waiting for our red light to go. Uh, that happened before the confrontation between uh, Savage and Hogan. But uh, yeah, that was the main event, which was better than what the Royal Rumble ends up becoming later on. The Royal Rumble is now our lead into WrestleMania, plus then we now have Elimination Chamber and stuff like that, plus all the other TVs. But at that time, the main event was what you wanted to watch to see what's going to happen at WrestleMania. All right, and then the other match that was on air uh, was, of course, Ted DiBiase beat Hercules. Yeah, the, the fans in the, at the Bradley Center did get to have other matches, and they saw Andre the Giant defeat Jake the Snake Roberts. The Rougeau's brothers defeat uh, the Hart Foundation. Ultimate Warrior retained his intercontinental title against Greg Valentine. Demolition beat the Powers of Pain. Brainbusters beat uh, the Rockers. Bruce Beefcake and Mr. Perfect both ended in a no contest. And that uh, happened during that event for the live viewers. All right. And then we're going to move on to the Monday Night Wars, February 3rd, 1997. Would you like to do Nitro? Sure. Let me uh, scroll to that. Oops. Uh, you don't have this memorized? No, I have other things memorized, but not this. Anyways, uh, Monday Night uh, Wars, February 3rd, 1997, February 3rd edition of Nitro that was held at the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee. Ultimo Dragon with Sonny Ono in his corner defeated Ray uh, Mendoza Jr. in about three minutes. Glacier defeated Billy Kidman in just over two minutes. Ice Train with Teddy Long defeated La Parca. Harlem Heat, uh, Parker T and Steve Ray had Sherry in their corner, defeated the Steiner brothers. And that, oh, sorry, that ended in a double disqualification in just over five minutes. The two teams obviously could not get along. Dean Malenko defeated Mike Enos in seven minutes. DDP defeated the Renegade in just over two minutes. Alex Wright defeated Super Callow in six minutes. Conan, with Jimmy Hart in his corner, defeated Chris Benoit, who had woman in his corner, via a disqualification in four minutes. And Jeff Jarrett defeated Mongo McMichael, who had Deborah in his corner, by countout in two minutes. And that looks like it was the main event. Kind of uh, sad. This card had a couple of uh, matches that looked, uh, good on paper with Harlem Heat against the Steiners, uh, but then that ended in double disqualification. But it looks a lot like a edition of WCW Saturday Night, and that's surprising for 1997. What happened on Raw? You're on mute. Awesome. I'm on mute. Um, so the uh, the edition of Raw, which took place uh, at Sky Dome in Toronto, Ontario. Were we at this one? Yes, we were. All right. This edition was known as Royal Rumble Raw featuring... Oh, no, that I don't need to read that. No, okay, I was so at this, this one. You were not. Oh, I wasn't there. Okay. You were not there. I was okay. there for this one. Uh, this was the first two-hour Raw broadcast. Uh, the dark ma match was Rocky Maivia uh, defeating the Sultan. 
Uh, Vader with Paul Bearer defeated Steve Austin by DQ. Uh, Savio Vega defeated Flash Funk, Da Boogie. Uh, Doug Furness and Phil LaFon defeated Owen Hart and Davey Boy Smith in a WWF Tag Team Championship match by Countout. And that was a long match. That was over 14 minutes. Uh, Crush defeated Gold Dust. Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeated Mark Romero uh, to retain the WWFIC um, Championship. And that was 14 minutes. The Undertaker and Ahmed Johnson defeated Farouk and Mankind in a no-holds-barred tag team match. And the dark match of the night was Shawn Michaels defeating Bret Hart and Psycho Sid in a triple threat match to retain the WWF Championship. And actually, I think I was at this one because I remember that main event. I know we were not there together. If you because this was the first no, event. No, wait, wait, I... this is the one. This is the one that I went. Uh, you went to that one, but I went to this one with Ben, and I was in college, and I took the train there, and. Uh, um, Yes, I do believe so. If I, if I was in college uh, for this one, and I had actually uh, skipped school uh, earlier in the month for the press conference that they did and uh, got that lovely picture of uh, Rocky Maivia. Um, and those who know the turtleneck uh, picture uh, and the fanny pack, that's actually done in stairwell of the Sky Dome. And that was at that press conference, and they introduced Tiger Ali Singh as being a part of it. Um, Brett was at the conference, but I do not believe Sean made it. And I think Sid missed it as well. Uh, but they did that whole thing. I skipped school for that. My family came and visited me uh, in Toronto because uh, I just moved there uh, in September to come and see that show. And we ended up staying at the Sky Dome Hotel. If you were in the hotel room, you could actually see it uh, on the TV as well. My sister was uh, not at the uh, wanting to go to the event, but went to the hotel anyways. And that's how she ended up uh, seeing it happening. And um, earlier in the day when we were checking in, I had actually talked to Tiger Ali Singh uh, for a bit. And he gave a couple autographs. Uh, we ran into uh, Jim Ross in the elevator as he was going down to uh, do the event. And, uh, yeah, just totally uh, really good uh, first uh, experience at a live show, which then did become a Monday Night Raw uh, for uh, the USA viewers. Uh, it was a special one for us at that time. I think uh, the dog show was actually happening on USA. So mm. it was in Canada that we got to see it on TV and different lighting that because they didn't have all the regular raw stuff there so if you find it on uh, the network it does have a different feel to it more of a house show yes. uh, than anything else so I, I i now i'm thinking i i may not have been at this one even though i i swear that main event maybe they did We're, that one more than once um because i do remember that after the show i could still see the the um flares from Kane and Kane's not listed here so Ooh. yeah the uh following February uh we were or no February 99 which we're going to talk about in next week's episode we were at that uh raw that was uh recorded at the Sky Dome uh as a shown live in Canada and uh delayed on the Saturday because of the dog show and that's when you and Ben were there and we were in the uh lobby uh, or the restaurant having a 
drinking dessert before you guys head back. Yes. And oh so, man, well, I'll I, will talk never, about that one. I will never forget looking outside after the event into the arena and the amount of cardboard signs. It was just impressive. It was impressive how many, how much trash there was. Yeah, um, we'll talk so, about that in the next episode because, uh, yeah, that event actually happens in this uh, list. All right, uh, some deaths for you, and then we're out of here. Uh, January 31st, 1999, 23 years ago, Shoei Baba, a.k.a. the legendary Giant Baba, died of cancer in Tokyo, Japan. He was 61 years old. Uh, 2010, on February 1st, uh, we lost Freddie Joe Briscoe, a.k.a. Jack Briscoe, who died of complications from open-heart surgery. He was 68. February 2nd, uh, 1986, 36 years ago, saw Charles Eugene Wolfe Jr., uh, who was best known to wrestling fans as Gino Hernandez, a.k.a. one half of the dynamic duo, uh, died of a drug overdose in his apartment in Highland Park, Texas. He was only 28. And of course, this weekend, wrestling history is compiled from the vast land of Google, Wikipedia, CageSideSeats.com, and most importantly, from fans and journalists that had front row seats to history. And a big thank you, as always, to our sponsor, CoolBet, CoolBet.com and sports book betting and casino games. Stay cool and bet responsibly. And a big howdy-do and hello to all of our Johnners listeners. Yeah, we appreciate everybody who listens and we invite them to come back next week or later on this week, shall I say, for next week's episode. Uh, you already heard uh, some of the things we're going to be talking about, including the uh, Raw from the Sky Dome in February 99. We're going to also look back at the uh, life of Sherry Martell and Kurt Hennig, our, our uh, spotlight uh, superstars. And a few other items and events that are going to happen. Also, uh, like I said, the main event, number one, where the dastardly uh, plastic surgery and payoff of a uh, referee uh, happens to set up WrestleMania 4. So all that and more. And, uh, I'm trying to do research to see if the same person that performed that surgery is the same one that performed Nicholas Cage's and John Travolta's surgery. Maybe some face-off uh, stuff going on there. But, yeah, uh, so that's what to expect on the next episode. And uh, we thank you for joining us and wish you all a great night. <laughs>